pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. There's no judgment here on what time it is. <laughs> and join us for the Real Laughs and Unreal Estates podcast. We are your hosts, Louise James and Trisha Zimmerling. Real estate is something we've all dreamt about, whether it's that multi-million dollar listing or it's that horrible experience you've encountered that gives you nightmares at night. Well, we are going to spill all the beans on the stories we've experienced and our coworkers have. We are bringing you the easy vibes and infectious laughter that makes the most daunting stories feel like a walk in the park. But not only that, we are entrepreneurs by day and also moms by night. People hear realtor and assume we're bathing in money and living that selling sunset lifestyle. <laughs> well, we're going to give you the down and dirty of what that actually looks like, because that's not the case. <laughs> it's like HGTV met a stand-up comedy show with a spicy conversation thrown in for good measures. So if you want to see the real side of being a business owner and the unreal side of how to get there, then you've come to the right spot. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Welcome back to our next episode, talking about buyers and sellers and getting them ready Yeah, to list their home or to go out looking for homes. Yeah. Yeah, because we talked a couple episodes ago just about what the market's going to look like this year. It should be busier. There's a housing shortage in Canada, in every city. Yes. So it should be peaking real estate. Yeah. And mortgage rates are supposed to go down. So that should be They help stayed steady today. Yeah, they stayed steady. So yeah. I'd say in Edmonton, especially because we have such like a cyclical market. And in the wintertime, it's typically a little slower. And then springtime starts speeding up. We're going to talk about sellers to start. Yep. And what you like essentially what you need to do to prepare yourself to sell for this market this year. Exactly. You want to start? Sure. I feel like when I, when I speak to my sellers, I try to get them, I actually have a list, a complete, like it has a million things on it on what you can and what you should be doing mm -hmm. to get your home ready for sale. So I would say number one would be the outside right away. Like, yeah. It's not the number one in the whole what do you thing. Mean by but, that so the exterior of your home. So if it's winter, you're shoveling the snow. You have maybe if you can have some nice decorations on your front step that's not too cluttered. Make sure your steps are in good shape. They're not broken. Um, or if you need to be planning to paint them, if they're wood. Yes. Yeah. So if it depends, winter or summer. So if it's summer, your lawn is cut. Your weeds are. You have no weeds. Yeah. <laughs> that's an easy one. It should be. You try to make your home look as beautiful as possible because first impressions. There's some people that I've walked up to a home and we're supposed to view it and they look at the outside and they'll say, no, not for us. And we won't even go in. Mm -hmm. I know some people are so, very judgy, yeah. which I mean, good, good on them. They know what they like. Yeah. You know, if they have siding falling off of the house, that's got to be fixed before. Totally. You know, if you have shingles that are flying off, fix those before. It's all going to be found in the inspection anyway. 100%. So the amount of work that you can do beforehand yeah is way better for you in the long run you'll get more money for the home totally and i'm just gonna point this out because you and i talked about this and you like said it but it's just like the number one thing if you're not a realtor that you need to think of is talk to your real estate agent absolutely talk like whether you're listing tomorrow in two months three months a year call your real estate agent get them over help prepare yourself so you're not feeling crunched on time and like call them over right now 
talk about, they'll do a price evaluation on your house, and then they'll get you prepared for what you have to do to get your house listed for the best value, which is what you said. You're like, yeah, I'll talk to my clients. And it's like, well, yeah, call your realtor first, and then they'll... And don't, don't call your realtor when you say, okay, I want my home on the market next week. Yeah. No, call us two months in advance or a month in advance. Unless you live in an impeccable home, there's always things that can be tweaked. Yeah. So I have a client right now that's actually prepping their home. They're not putting it on until March, but they they called me in December. Yeah. Uh, Even maybe November. And right now it's end of January. So they still are prepping. They still are doing a few things. They wanted to repaint their baseboards. They wanted to just fix any of anything wrong with the home that they see yeah and that's what you need you if you're not a a somebody that can actually fix those things right away Mm -hmm. you want to be able to have the time to actually go ahead and fix them or hire somebody to fix them totally just chip away at them yeah as you go yeah what else would you say is important i mean yeah curb appeal number one for sure i'd say second thing deep clean Deep clean. deep clean. Actually, declutter first and then yeah. deep clean. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just going to say it just because we've had a couple listings lately. And like when I say deep clean, it's not just like wash your floors and vacuum. No. Like clean your baseboards, wash your walls, wash your windowsills, clean out your oven, clean out your microwave because people are buying not just the bones of your house, they're buying everything. And take down your light fixtures, clean yes. those. Fans in bathrooms. Yes, I've had them oh. where they're. There's dust and spider yes. webs hanging yes. off of the fan. and <laughs> Toilet bowls. Men, I'm sorry, you don't have good aim. Clean the toilet bowls, clean the sink, clean the mirrors. Yeah. The bathtubs, like everything. Get it? It's just get your greasy, a little grease in there. Get yeah. it done. It goes such a long way because people don't want to be purchasing your mess. No. And like, it sounds ridiculous, but it, you do get lesser value for your house. Absolutely, because people think that if you're not taking care of your house right now, mm-hmm. you're probably never took care of it for the last 10 years that you've lived in it. So what problems are they buying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, But if you have an impeccable house that's clean, that goes so far. And it goes so fast. Yeah. And Ooh, people think, literally. yeah, they were on top of things. They fixed it when things came up that had to be fixed. They fixed them right away and they were done. Well, it's buyer confidence. Like literally our last episode where we talked about the horror stories of shit yeah. that happens. How much more confident are you going to feel purchasing a house from someone who took great care of it? Yeah. Pride and ownership. Like you're going to know and feel confident if you aren't allowed to do a walkthrough before your possession day that you're going to get this house because you yeah. know that they're passing off a house that they love to someone else that's going to love it as much as they did. Yeah. So you want to have that. Exactly. And then, yeah, declutter. And then I would say paint. Yeah. Okay, but wait, let's talk about declutter. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about declutter. It, there's like different scenarios of it. So if you've lived in your house for 20 plus years, you need to declutter. You're getting rid of a lot of shit. Even 10 years. Yeah. Unless you're that minimalist person who gets rid of everything yeah. right away. But majority of people hang on to too much stuff. They've yeah. raised their kids in there. They've got stuff from their kids. They've mm-hmm. got stuff from whatever. Family. And yeah. But also it comes with furniture too. Like I find that like as you live in a house longer, typically you host more too. And I feel like the amount of furniture that ends up in one room like keeps increasing. (laughs) 
So this living room, who at the beginning had a Were couch and a chair, <laughs> there's multiple people I'm thinking of. It's all of a sudden now a couch, a couch, and a chair, and then also all the kids' toys, and then an ottoman, and then this, and then this, and it's like now you Too can't much. even see the room. The room that looked massive before looks teeny tiny. Yeah. So I always tell people for decluttering that, in my opinion, for listing your house, your garage can get sacrificed. Yeah. Stuff the garage full. Yeah. People need a path. They need to be able to see what the garage, like, floor pad looks like, that it's in good condition. But other than that, the garage can be your dumping zone. Yeah. And then and also... park outside. Yeah, park for outside. For that time, then. And just, yeah. And then, obviously, storage rooms can be dumping zones. And then even, like, utility rooms. Make sure you have a path so people can look at the furnace, the sump pump, electrical panel, hot water tank. But as long as they have access to all of those, you can just shove it ceiling high. They also want to see where your toilet is going to be, your bathroom yes. downstairs. Yeah, rough ends. Yeah, the rough ends. Yeah. But then the like those can be your cluttered parts of your house. Yeah. And try to remove. Like, have your realtor come in, give you advice, and don't be offended. We're not no. judging the way that your house looks for you to live there. We're no. trying to get you the most value. Exactly. And what's going to sell your home really quick. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I find when there's kids in the home, there's a lot of toys everywhere. Ride-on toys. From experience. This one, that one. Oh, I know. I've had it myself, right? And you make it convenient for you and your kids to live in that home. So we're not asking for that to be taken away. But for maybe photos, it should be taken away. For photos, yes. But maybe it should be parred down into a small pile. Yeah. That you can put into a box that can be closed. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it keeps it nice and tidy. Closed and stored for showings. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then um, painting. We've had two painting. really good experiences this year of people painting on their own versus whenever they get it professionally done. Get it professionally done. <laughs> Unless you are meticulous. But most people no. are not. No, just get it professionally done. I can paint, but I can't paint that well. No, all Not that edging for, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have paint marks on your ceiling, that's got to be touched up. Even a quick trick, even take toothpaste and just cover it up if you yeah, have to. That's smart. Yeah. That's I've really that. smart. Ooh, this is also something else. A lot of people have like watermarks on their ceiling. Yeah. And it can be from so many things. Like one of my clients had watermarks because they had one of those air conditioners from Costco, the window ones. Oh, yeah. And sometimes those can leak out. Yeah. And so that's what happened. So it leaked out in the master bedroom and it showed up in the living room. Yes. If you water and bleach in like 50 That's what I've ratio, heard. I've never done it. 100% works. It you does. literally water and bleach 50-50 ratio and you spray it on there. Yeah. You might have to do it like two like different times, but you spray it and whenever it dries, it's lighter, do it again and you'll get it. They got their whole ceiling completely clean. Really? Mm-hmm. And most works. of the time I'm finding if there is the watermarks. It's already dried up. The, yeah. the, the problem has been dealt with. Yeah. But it's too expensive. Maybe not too expensive. Well, it, it is, is expensive. expensive. Yeah. Or it's too much of a hassle to scrape down your ceiling and redo it. Yeah. So that's a nice trick. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that before. I've Just never tried to it. try it. Yeah. But it does, there is definitely a value difference. Because you had a listing this year mm -hmm. that your client had painted herself. You yeah. You weren't selling. Yeah. And then she hired it out. Yep. And, and sold right away. Instantly. Yeah. And did you change price? No. Yeah. Big difference. You have to, yeah, you have to get it professionally done. And even I had a listing. That was whenever Justin went to Belize. 
and our clients wanted your opinion on whether they could just paint oh, it themselves. Yes. And they got it professionally done. We went into multiple offers and they literally said, your advice is what got this house sold. Like yeah. I would have done all of this stuff on my own, but instead I hired it out and it yeah. was, there was a big every difference. penny. Yeah. You told me I'd get a higher value for it and I got a higher value for it. Like it's 100% Absolutely. worth it. Yeah. It's very obvious when DIY wow. is done. And flooring, I find, is another thing because a lot of people think it's easy to do flooring, which in the most part, sometimes it's easy, but it's not easy, or maybe the quality of work is not very good around the corners, around the baseboards. There's always little gaps yeah. or there it's, you know, they cut it too short or yeah. whatever. And you can't fix that stuff then, right? You got to yeah. pull out that. So a lot of people will come in and you may think, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, it doesn't bother us. Yeah. But somebody coming in and you want top dollar for your house. Your flooring better be done right. Okay, but also on top of that, it better be matching. <laughs> you mean when you go into every room and it's a different we color? We had a client just oh gosh. seven different types of flooring throughout the entire house. <laughs> that can, is my biggest pet peeve. And they wanted us to market new flooring. And we're like, no. Like, <laughs> we cannot, which room do you want us to market? It's like, no, you, we can market new flooring if you did like vinyl planks throughout the entire main floor. But they had different flooring in their kitchen, different flooring in their living room. They had different flooring in both their bedrooms. And then they all there. match up. Oh, and they're all like completely different colors too. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? Like, no. So if you're going to do and change up your flooring, if you're changing your flooring in your basement, like carpet, match the carpet upstairs. Yeah. If you're going to replace, like, if you're going to do vinyl plank or tile or something, try to match it. Keep it cohesive throughout your whole house. Otherwise, you're just hurting the value. You're not actually well, adding it. Even when they try to match and it's off. Oh, yeah. No. Then you might as well go something. Like, you, you either have to do it all. Yeah. So that it's all cohesive. Yeah. Because that, that's a big thing. Because when somebody comes in to buy your home and they yeah. actually look at your flooring and they think, okay, now I've got to replace all of this flooring. I guess this is something I was just going to say. With all of this stuff that we're saying, it doesn't mean that you have to do everything. It's just if you are, it depends on the type of seller you are and the amount that you're wanting to tackle. I know. Otherwise, you've got to price it accordingly. Yeah. So if you don't want to spend any more money on your house, that's fine. And you, know, you also have to understand that we look at so many houses in a year. So when we're saying like to do flooring, to do all this, if you are a, a really good homeowner and you have so much pride in like in your ownership, you're probably not going to have to do any of this because it's already done. Yeah. But you have to understand that I'd say about 75% of houses don't have pride in ownership. Yeah. And we have to walk into and explain to them that the hole in the wall actually isn't okay. Or, like I said before, the seven different types of flooring actually doesn't add value. But people don't get that. Right. And I've had that actually happen when somebody wanted to sell their home and they had, their kids were just, they were teenagers. They were roughhousing in the basement or something. And they had put holes in the wall and in a door. And mm -hmm. they didn't, they thought, well, I'm not going to fix it. I don't know how to fix it. It was a single mom. Mm -hmm. She didn't know how to fix it. I don't have money to pay somebody to do that. I don't know. It, it just really makes the whole house look like you didn't take care of it. If mm -hmm. you can live with holes in the wall. So I got a handyman for her who was charging like $25 an hour. Oh, wow. That's and so I good. said, let him do it. You will have to get it painted because he wasn't going to paint or you can work out some painting thing with him. So she did actually get it fixed. That's and that good. door, yeah. I mean, you have to buy a new door pretty much. You can't totally. patch door. 
So anyway, it did work out in the end, but yeah, you've got to, you've got to, those types of things. If you can't afford to do flooring throughout, I understand that. Yeah. Lots of people don't have that. Yeah. Totally. Otherwise they would have done it already. Ex well, like I mean, to live in it. I mean, some people just don't. Some people they don't just care. don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Selling end. Essentially, moral of the story, get a fucking good realtor <laughs> and talk to them ahead of time and you'll have nothing to worry about. Yeah. It'll be a smooth sailing and the best experience of your life. Another thing that I think is good is get an inspection done before. Really? Do you like that or no? Not I, many clients do it, but I... I, I could argue it. I, I don't do it very often. I've done it... Like, I've had an inspector do a walkthrough where I'm, I'm scared some, there's an issue. But there's two things. Is, number one, I find the buyers always opt because they want their own opinion. Right, that's fine. So in that case, I find it can be a waste of money. It can be a positive if you know there's issues and you want your clients to tackle them. That's what I'm talking about. But something that my inspector brought up to me is if your clients don't tackle them yeah. and there's issues, now you have to disclose them. Yes. So, but if you have a home that's pretty much, like I'm not talking one that's, you know, there's going to be, you're going to find yeah. something. I'm talking about the home that's pretty, your average home that you know there's nothing major. There's no cracks in the foundation. There's no major expenses, but little things. I found that I've had clients do an inspection before. They fixed everything that was on that inspection because they had the money wow, to do it. Oh, that's good. And then they that's leave that, the inspection 100%. out. And, you know, people can look at it. They can still do their own inspection. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But I can say with confidence, everything in this inspection yeah. has been done. Yeah. And they have the receipts for it. And it just gives that confidence when they walk into this house. Yeah. Yes. You know, if they choose to do their own inspection, great. They're not mm -hmm. going to find mm -hmm. probably much on that. Yeah. But if you're not going to tackle the problems, then no. It's not worth it. No. But I, if you... I haven't had a seller really willing to do that. Oh, really? No. I've had a couple. Really? Yeah, oh, the, that's where they'll cool. actually say, yeah, we don't want to deal with anybody coming in to us after and bringing the price down. Yeah. Let me get this done. And yeah, Interesting. they've done it. That's lucky. Well, then, yeah, in that opinion, 100%. Yeah, it. yeah. It's worth it. I just haven't experienced that yet. Something that I feel like we should talk about just on the selling end, too, is what it looks like to sell your house and then purchase another one what are some of the scenarios that can happen? Because I feel like a lot of people just don't understand what that process actually looks like. Meaning the, how each step goes? Yeah. Or... So like, how do you buy another house when you have to sell your house? Yeah. So I guess like I'll start off. So number one is like we said, you always call your realtor first and they'll lay out the scenario. Once you've called them, second call is to your mortgage broker, your bank. You want to get your pre-approval in place for yes. what you're actually going to be able to purchase. That's very important. Yeah. And then they also, at that time, are going to talk to you about if you have the ability to purchase without selling your house. Right. Or if you have to sell your house. Or if you can do bridge financing. Sometimes you can do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So essentially, that's like your first step. But then what it looks like once you actually are ready to start looking. So if you're looking for a house and you've find a house that you absolutely love but your bank has told you you have to sell your house option a that you do is you look you find the house you love you put an offer in but you have to have a condition for the sale of your house right. so a condition for the sale of your house means that the seller of the house you're purchasing can accept an offer 
and you'll have a financing condition, you'll have a property inspection condition, but you'll also have the condition to sell your house. So at the time of acceptance, you just list your house right away and hope that it sells really fast. Yes, because it's got to be on the market. No, it doesn't. No, it has to be in the market within Oh, a sorry. Week, yeah, I think yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You stayed it, but I feel like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it has to be even shorter now. Like, no one's I always say three days to my yeah. clients, yeah. but I think it's a week legally. Yeah. You have to have it on the market within that time. Yeah. So be at that point ready to put your home on the market at the time. At offer. that time. Otherwise, yeah. if you think, oh, no, I've got all these repairs i got to do to my yeah. home and I you know, haven't done my mortgage broker and like, you yeah. essentially have to have all your photos done bef- of, of your current house in order to place an offer on your next house right. is really what it comes down to. Yeah. So have those photos ready and then you're placing an offer. And then in that scenario with that condition of the sale of your house, so your house hits the market right away, you have the condition of sale. If the sellers of this new house you're purchasing receive another offer and you have yet to sell your house, they have the ability to bump your offer. Yep. So there's a clause in there and it's negotiated between like you and the sellers. But there's a clause in there that says that the sellers will give you 24, 48, 72 right. hours to complete the deal upon them receiving another offer. So if you cannot sell your house in that allotted amount of time, then you lose the house. Right. And you're back to square one and looking again. But if everything falls into place, great. And you get the house, you sell your house, everything's amazing. But there's still that, there's the time clause and there's pressure. And then the other thing on top of that is an offer with the condition to sell your house is very unattractive. Very unattractive. In today's market. But a lot of people have to do that. They do, but we're going to talk about what most people end up having to do. Yeah. So do you want to say the other? Like... Well, I just wanted to backtrack a little bit oh, in there yeah. too and just say that you know, usually that clause is about, what did you say, 48 hours? That's 48 what mine hours. is yeah. usually. I, some people I've had put 24 on there. Yeah. Um, I've had, I always push for 72. Yeah, I but. do too, but I never get it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You always ask for more. I always get usually yeah. get the 48, but yeah. yeah, you have to be ready, ready to do that. Otherwise, I guess the flip side of that is if you, if you don't, if you can't get that deal, then you have your home on the market yeah. and you're looking, actively looking. Mm-hmm. And you would have a seller's clause that you would put on them if you want it. If you accepted an offer on the house you're personally selling. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Then you'd have the seller clause saying subject to me finding a home mm-hmm. that I can go to. Because then that gives you the ability to kill the deal. If you yeah, because it's going to be like that one client of yours. Then, you know, they've sold their house. Now they, mm-hmm. you know, they have nowhere to go. Yeah. And that creates a lot of stress. So much stress. The other option too, which because the seller's clause also sometimes is not attractive for buyers. No, it's if not. they're kicked out or don't have a place to live and their lease is up or anything like that, they have to move in somewhere. So that could be a make or break for them. Is you have a plan B and you have family to stay with. So you list your house first. That is the best yeah, route. This is the best route. <laughs> yeah. So you list your house first. You get an offer on your, like, and while your house is listed, you're still looking at houses, but you don't place any offers until your house is either sold or you have an accepted offer on it. Yes. And you can push out that possession yeah. date a bit, so you have yeah. time to actually find a house. Yeah. So if you accept an offer, 90 days, I feel like, is typically the most that people do. Yeah. So they do, you'd accept and you'd say you have 90 days to find, well, 90 day possession, so to be out, so... You would just look like hell. I know. And hope for the best. Most of the time, honestly, it always works out, but you always want to have a plan B. 
I've never had it not work out. Oh, I have. Have you? Mine was, for me, was because most people have to sell their, like, whenever they're upsizing, they were up, all the clients it didn't work out with had to do with acreages. Their next house was going to be an acreage, and it was all in Strathcona County, and acreages in Strathcona County are hard to find. Yeah. Either the nice ones aren't coming on the market, or the nice ones go into multiple offers. Yeah. And so we were just losing out constantly because my clients had a budget and all of these houses were just going to an extreme amount above list price. Right. That we just kept losing out. So they ended up, yeah, it's actually, it's happened multiple times, but yeah, you just, you have to have a plan B. You have to stay with family. You have to Airbnb. You have to rent because you need to make sure that your money is easily accessible to exactly. your next house right and it's also hard to rent sometimes because nobody wants to rent for a short term mm -hmm. so then if you go into a rental yeah you're looking at six months or a year yeah. usually yeah um, there's a lot of airbnbs now but airbnb are, you could do that but it's expensive yeah yeah i'd say the other option that i've had some people do is call mom and dad Get your, ask them to co-sign with yeah. you to purchase your next place so that you can purchase it without selling. You do take the, the risk that you could carry two mortgages. But if you feel financially comfortable and they're willing to, to give you like your down payment for your next house, then once this house sells, you repay them back, something like that. That's also another if option. If that's an option. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. If you have the family support to be able to do that. Yeah. But that's typically, like I always tell people... Like, especially with my clients who were first-time homebuyers and now they're scaling up. It's hard because typically your next house takes more time because you know what you like, you know what I you know. don't like. But it's also probably one of the most stressful experiences because you're selling your house. So you're living in, like, a show home. Like, you, you can't really make your house messy. You're always living, like, you no, do you something with clean. Within. But then also you're, like, <laughs> working within this timeline. Yeah. And no matter, like, no matter what, like, and no matter how great of a, like, a realtor, like, you're with Louise and I, no matter how great of realtors we are, <laughs> it's just stressful. Like, it is just having that ticking time bomb, essentially. Exactly. Knowing that you're under pressure, it's just, it's harder. So you just got to be mentally prepared. Don't do it in a time of life where you're just adding more pressure onto it. That's not a good experience but yeah a little bit harder I agree let's touch on buyers being a just a buyer not having to sell but being a buyer in this market what is like the first thing that pops to your mind the number one important thing they need to do you need to talk to your mortgage broker yes first thing you have to talk to your mortgage broker you have to submit all those documents and get an actual pre-approval yes. there's no point in looking if you can't, we don't know if you can afford to buy it or you could be undercutting yourself. You could think I can only afford this amount, but it ends up you can afford more. Totally. So it can go both ways. And I just feel like a mortgage broker is your number one first call. Totally. Get that out of the way. Get all the paperwork because it takes time to get that paperwork in. Yeah. And it's a pain. It can sometimes be very stressful. Yes. My daughter's going through that right now. She's yes. got all the paperwork, you know, she's getting it all in and, and stuff like that. So it can be a very stressful time, but once that paperwork is in and you've got your pre-approval, then it's fun. Well, and like the stressful part about it is just getting, like finding all the paperwork. It's finding Asking it, yeah. Asking for employment letters, getting a pay stub, getting your T4s in, getting your notice of assessments in. Like, it's just a matter of scanning and sending it to them. Yeah. It's not like anything too extreme. It's just time consuming. It's time consuming yeah. and it's finding it. Yeah. If you're very organized, no problem. If you're not so organized, you got to find that. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> that T4, that yeah. special assessment or yeah. So everything. Yeah. Honestly, the pre-approval 
I like I, I've said this to a couple of my clients too that want to start looking is that it gets one thing to to look but like if you're working with a qualified real estate agent that agent should not I'm gonna I, and this might sound aggressive but should not be letting you put an offer in on a place if you don't have a pre-approval right because you're not only wasting the realtor's time your time but also the seller's time because exactly. if you end up where you can't afford it yeah now you've just wasted two weeks of that seller's time exactly on him being able to sell his home to somebody that can't afford it 100 percent. yeah what about touching on pre-qualified and pre-approved so <laughs> <laughs> those are two different, two different things. things so pre-qualified if you're just talking to your bank or they have one of those online things where you like yes. put how much you make and roughly all that stuff that is not a pre-approval. That not does all. not do anything for you. You need a firm, like when you get a pre-approval, you get a letter at the top stating who you're pre-approved with and saying, hey, Joe Blow, you are pre-approved up to $500,000 purchase price with this percent down payment, da, 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 da. And it's like a formal letterhead letter because you have submitted all your documents, your credit's been pulled. Yes. It is legit. Pre-qualifications where you're just spitting out a couple numbers. Like I know some banks will just have you sit down and they're like, how much do you make? And they like type it in with no proof. And they're like, okay, what payments do you have? And you like type it in you tell them your car payment, but you forget that you actually also pay for student loans. And you also have alimony and you also have this and you also have this, but you forget to tell them. So they're just typing in what you're telling them. They're like, oh yeah, you'll easily qualify. But then whenever the pre-approval process comes in, they're like, oh, but you forgot to tell us about all these other debts that you have. And I had one guy forgot he forgot that he bought a motorcycle <laughs> and it was one of those fancy expensive like yeah. I don't know sixty a hundred thousand dollar motorcycle like it wasn't a, a little motorbike yeah. it was an expensive yeah. and he forgot that he had got a loan on that oh and that gosh. he was making payments on it because the payments hadn't kicked in oh uh, something about I think he had to wait for his bike to come in oh, like he had to order it. it but it was under his name yeah, and oh, so he so he didn't mention it when he had went in for, for pre-qualification. Yes, and so at that point, when he actually submitted all his documents, yeah. he was given a different number because yeah. that was a debt that yeah. had to come up, and the pre-approval actually goes through all of that and yeah. makes sure that, yes, you've got all your debts, you've got all of this. Yeah. And, yeah, he completely forgot I said, how do you do forget that you bought a motorbike? Yeah, I <laughs> It makes sense. Because like? he said, he said, I don't have it yet. He said, it's on order. So I completely forgot that I even bought it. It was a couple months ago. Oh my gosh. But That's so yeah, funny. so the pre-approval, and I want to just touch on this because I know you're on the same page as I am. Go through a mortgage broker. Yeah. A mortgage broker. They are working for you. Mm -hmm. Their time, it, they don't get paid unless they fund, unless they get you a mortgage. And also, you don't pay them out of pocket. They get paid as yes. if, like, from the bank, as if they were, I'm going to, like, I know I'm not describing this properly, but it's, they get paid like they were an employee of the bank. So whether you went through the lender, like, if, if for instance, the mortgage brokers that we use, like, they get lending from TD and Scotia and many other places, but they get paid as if they were an employee at the bank when they close that deal. Like, it's not right. coming out of your actual pocket. Yeah, you're not paying for them. No. So the mortgage, whoever lends them, whoever is your lender, so let's say it's Bank of Montreal, yeah. they're going to be paying the mortgage broker. Exactly. It's not coming out of your pocket. But I find that mortgage brokers, mm -hmm. they're going to pull your credit once and they're going to check all of the interest rates mm -hmm. around and get you the lowest interest rate. And also, 
the best terms because yeah. that's another thing. It's not only about the interest rate, it's also about the terms. Yes. So there's two different things and, and the mortgage broker can explain those to you. But I find that when you go to a mortgage broker, they're working for you and they're working damn hard for you. Mm-hmm. Where as if you go to a bank, and this is my personal opinion, maybe somebody else might disagree with this. I find every time I have a client that says, oh, I've been dealing with the Royal Bank for 30 years. The Royal Bank gives two shits about you. Mm-hmm. They do not care about you. They do nothing special for you. You'll go into the Royal Bank and sit down with your person and they will say, oh yeah, well we can get you Yeah, well you sit down with a financial advisor. Yeah. Most of the time. They do have mortgage specialists, which if, like, I do have a couple mortgage specialists at the Royal Bank who do give really good service, but once you sign up with them, you don't get to use them again. Renewals and everything go through the oh, financial advisor who are not actually like well educated on the mortgage end of things. Well, and I just find that so let you know I'm not just picking the Royal Bank. I'm not saying that Mor- they're mortgage anybody. brokers have more options. Well, you. yeah, and they also like I find that a bank employee doesn't put that extra work effort in. Like they're working nine to five and that's all. Yeah. They don't, they're getting paid regardless if they, you get a mortgage or not. They're yeah. still getting paid. Yeah. A mortgage broker is actually going to work for you. Awesome. Well, they work at night. They work weekends. They work all the time totally. and they're working for you and they're getting you that best rate. And I also find when you're in a crunch, like multiple offers, things like that. Yeah. A mortgage broker works faster yes. than a bank. Yes. So you can usually, if you have all your documents in place, mm-hmm. you can usually get an answer right away. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go through a bank, I've had them Jeez. do at least two weeks. Yeah. Sometimes it goes three weeks. You don't have that time when you're in multiple offers. You cannot, No. when the market is really, really hot, you just don't have the time. So I find a mortgage broker yeah. is your best friend when you can actually, when you're in a tight, hot market. And if you are second guessing what we're saying here, get your pre-approval through a mortgage broker and a bank and compare experiences and options that they provide. You exactly. can do both. It does not hurt you. Your credit score will get pulled once within the same month. It's only one hit and you can do it yourself and compare it because lots of people actually like, don't believe it. But do it yourself, because I was with our with my bank, and I ended up switching to mortgage broker, and I'll never go back. I'll never go back. No, either. it's just such a better experience. But pre-approval, also the other thing, too, is, like, you obviously have to choose your real estate agent. But this is one thing for me that I try to stress to my clients, is that my reputation that I have as a realtor, in the realtor community, okay? Not, like, to, like, my clientele, but is that I always bring in, like, well-qualified clients. My buyers are always qualified. Oh, right. It yes. always goes through. I have so many buyers who get offended when I tell them that we cannot start looking at houses or I will not show them this house until they get their bank approved. Because if you see this house, you want to write an offer. I'm not going to write an offer. So why waste our time and look at it until we know that you can actually afford it? And that is because I cherish my reputation because I know if I get into multiple offers and this agent's dealt with me before, they're probably gonna choose me because they know that I'll get shit done. Yeah, and they know that your client is going to be approved. Exactly, because I always, the client, the, the way the, the process that I have, it's proven, it works, and you have the same process, and we work with qualified buyers, and we ensure it's done properly. Exactly. We don't get hopes up, we don't lie, we don't do anything like that. Everything is smooth sailing, so. Because we want the, it smooth too. Exactly. Yeah. Trust the process, trust your realtor, and it'll be done. I had a client, well, it was just a random call. She mm-hmm. called me. She wanted to go look at a bunch of acreages. She wanted it to be under 300, 
It was either three hundred or two hundred thousand oh, for an acreage. So you know that you're going way out, right? They're going way out, and it's going to be this dump of a place, right? So anyway, she wanted. So I asked her, "Do you have your pre-approval?" No, she didn't have it. I said, "Okay, that's got to be done before you can take them out." No, I want to see this home. I need to see this this place. I said, "No, there's no point in going to look at that place. We have to know exactly what you can afford." And she said, "Well, no, I know I can afford it. It's not going to be an issue. I know I can afford it." I did that little thing on the on the internet, right? The, the pre-qualification. pre-qualification. And I said, no, I need to see a pre-approval from a you know a, yeah. a mortgage broker or a mortgage specialist. And I, I said, it's not only protecting you, because then you know what you can afford, but it's also the seller. You know, we're You're making them out. leave their home for somebody who may not even be able to afford their home. Yeah. So we, we can't do that, right? It's our reputation too. So she got really, really mad at me. And I said, I can't, I, I mean, I'll work with you, but I mean, for 300,000, I'm also driving an hour out of town. Yeah. So if I'm going to be driving an hour out of town, let's make sure it's all, done let's right. make sure that it's done right here because I'm not, and she wanted to go anywhere around the whole city. So oh. it could be, it could be an hour and a half yeah. before I, get to the respect property respect the process yeah respect the people involved there's a way to do it lots like unfortunately lots of people screw up in their finances like it is what it is don't be if you are fighting us to talk to your bank to get a mortgage pre-approval then we have like red flags it's like ding, yep. ding, ding, like why wouldn't you want to get a mortgage pre-approval so you can buy the house that you are wanting to look at if you yes. don't want to do that then it really makes us not want to work with you yeah and yeah and get that stress out of the way, and then you know. Yes, exactly. Don't even question it. There's yeah. no reason for why you wouldn't want to do it. If you are serious about buying a house. If you're serious. Get freaking pre-approved. <laughs> Otherwise, don't get mad at everyone else who isn't taking you seriously if you're not taking it seriously. Exactly. Yeah. I think the next step for buyers would be figure out where you want to live. Find out that community. Drive around in it. If you're looking for schools for your kids, you know, make sure there's that mm-hmm. type of thing. And get to know that neighborhood or neighborhoods that you mm-hmm. are wanting. Sherwood Park's a little different because you can kind of live anywhere in Sherwood Park. Yeah. But if you're in the city and you want to, you know, should I go south side, north side? Kind of figure that out. Yeah. So you can narrow your search down a little bit. Yeah. And then I'd say the next thing would be to have a trusted home inspector. So obviously your realtor. Yes. Is going to suggest one to you or will suggest multiple to you. But you want a home inspector that you trust that isn't just looking for a paycheck, which I mean, most of them are very good, but you want to make sure that they cover everything that you want, whether it's a wet inspection on a fireplace, a sewer scope, like you want everything done and you want to know what your budget is for that. Because ideally you only do a home inspection once, but if it falls through, you're going to have to do another home inspection, another house. So, and also have the budget for that inspection. Mm -hmm. They cost about 500, depending on size of home and, right and but, additional items. and additional because i've actually had that sewer scope done yeah good thing we did and what that is is they send a, a camera down the sewer line mm-hmm. out to when you're in the city let's say or in short park they'll send it out to the actual main lines yeah to see if it's collapsed or if you know there's anything a blockage anything like that good thing we did because it cost them i think it was another 200 mm-hmm. i think but yeah it saved them I think it was going to be 35000 We actually got 25000 taken off of the price. Holy. Yeah. And they had to come up with the extra ten. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's worth it. I know it can seem daunting at the beginning, but for the amount of money it could cost if you didn't do it, it's worth it. Yeah. 
Totally. So budget that seven hundred dollars yeah. in there or so, yeah. depending if you're on an acreage, could be Even a little more. bit more. Yeah. Yeah, it depends the extent of. We have an acreage inspection next week, and honestly, it's probably going to cost our clients about fifteen hundred to two grand because acreage inspections are six hundred bucks, and then the type of septic inspection they're doing is with a company that will actually suck up the septic system, clean it, and then they go in and inspect it. Isn't that a fun job? Oh my god, I don't know if I want to do never do that but I mean they make good money for it and yeah. it's peace of mind because a septic replacement is $60,000 oh I plus, know so. I know yeah it's worth it and the last thing is lawyers yeah get it but your realtor should be able to yeah. help you out on that I've got you I know you yeah. have too I have a couple lawyers on different sides of the city depending where you want to go but I trust them and they're really quick yeah they get things done they answer your questions yes that's the most important thing and the one thing because Obviously, everyone in real estate transactions are wanting to save a buck. Do not go for the discount lawyer. No. The things that can happen, like what you want from your lawyer, you want quick response. So I always tell clients, if they're looking at lawyers, choose your top three. Send all of them an email. Narrow it down. Your first two responses is your next two. Then after that, look at the pricing and then give them a call. Choose off of, if you couldn't choose on pricing, choose off of who responds to you the fastest because if something goes wrong on possession day leading up, you want a lawyer who isn't, I've had lawyers where things have gone wrong and they passed it off to me, the realtor. Mm-hmm. And that, that is not my job. My job is to get us to the lawyer spot. So you want a lawyer that when things go wrong, they are lawyering up because that is what they are getting paid to do is to freaking represent you. So if they are not going to re- represent you tooth and nail, you should not be working with them. Yeah. Not often things go wrong, but when they do... They're always last minute, too. When yes. things go wrong, it's day of possession. Yes. Or the day before possession. Yeah, just like I was talking about last week. Yeah. yeah, we are a lawyer. I was so happy I had him. He was incredible. Yeah. They chose an exceptional lawyer. And you want to have that because if you go with a discount lawyer and... Actually, I had some... <laughs> one of my clients, something went wrong. We tried contacting the lawyer. We didn't hear from the lawyer for 48 hours. Oh, God. And our possession was delayed by a full day. And the only person who called us back was the paralegal. And we should have been. He's paying the lawyer. And he was so upset. It, I was not one of my... I'd never used this lawyer before. My client blacklisted it. It's blacklisted on my end, too. <laughs> but, yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. Then have fun looking. Yeah. Enjoy the experience. It's, it's so much fun. I love... So fun. I love taking people out to yeah. go and look at homes. One, because I like to see them. Because you yeah, get... there's so many... Oh, you get funny ones, you get bad ones, you get really, really fantastic ones. Yeah, the experience is just something you'll never forget. Yeah. Great. Good. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Cheers. Cheers.